And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You will conceive a son. And I'd like you to call him Jesus. He will be great. And he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne. And of his kingdom there will be no end. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. He is the first and he will be the last. He can do all things. And there is no purpose of his that can be thwarted. In the Lord is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor. For everything in heaven and on earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. He makes the clouds his chariot. He walks upon the wings of the wind. For it is in him that we live and we move and even exist. By him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible, invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He said it was finished. And just like with Mary, he says, uh, don't be afraid, for I've overcome the world. And I am seated on the throne. There is one throne, there is one king, there is one who holds every moment. And he is calling you to come to him. To walk in step with him, to take on his yoke, to move in his rhythm. He has something extraordinary on offer. And he labels it, rest for your souls. Rest for your souls. Let me pray. Lord, there is no other name that is higher there is no other name with more power there is no other name that is greater and lord we believe you are inviting us into a rest that is sustaining and that is restorative to our very soul we love you we thank you for such invitation and we give you this morning we give you our lives in jesus name amen If you're just joining us, um, my name is Caleb Lynch, and I am the lead pastor here at Open Door Fellowship Church, and we are in our second week of a new series called Teach Me the Way, Teach Me the Way, A Way of Jesus, A New Rhythm of Life. If you weren't here uh, last week, please, please uh, go pull it up online. You can can listen to our messages on uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, on our app. Um, a lot of places, I think. So go listen to it. It's really foundational 
for where we are going through these next couple of weeks. And, and um, I'm not going to share as much from that, that last week as I should to keep it uh, continual, but please go listen to it. It'll be important for your understanding of where we're going. We have a theme verse uh, that we're going to use. Would you go ahead and throw it up there for me? This is our verse. Uh, you, you read it last week, but here it is. It says, uh, this is Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart. And listen to this promise. This is unbelievable. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Will you put the next one up too? This is Eugene Peterson's version in the message of his paraphrase of that that same verse. But he says, are you tired? Are you worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you will recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Just keep company with me and you will learn to live freely and lightly. Can I get an amen? Come on. I'm going to need a lot more out of you today because there's just a couple of you. So let's get, come on. There we go. Come on. There we go. All right. Um, from the beginning of time that is recorded in uh, the narrative that we find from the Bible, there has been a, a picture, an example, a declaration of something that has been on offer since the beginning. And the word will be the word of rest. Um, from even the creation account, we see this offer of rest from God. If you remember last week, I was talking about kind of towards the end of the book of Exodus. And we were talking about that, that moment where they're about to go into the promised land. And God says, hey, Moses, take your people, go in. It's yours. Take it. And, and he, God says to Moses, but I'm not going with you. And Moses goes, no, nope, that's not going to work. And so what he does is he starts praying to God and he says, look, he says to God, look, if you don't go with us, do not send us because we're not going. And God goes, okay, I'll go with you. And um, the part I didn't share with you is the next words that came out of God's mouth. He says, I will go with you and I will give you rest. I will go with you and I will give you rest. You, you need to understand these, this people group has been wandering, and prior to their wandering in the desert, they were enslaved for about 400 years, never had a day off, ever. For most of these people, uh, their entire life has been on the move, has been enslaved, has been working, and God, His promise to them is, I'm going to go with you, and I'm going to give you rest. Um, one of the things He commands them is He says, hey, look, and then also, when you get there, we're going we're gonna to keep one day holy. We're going to keep one day set apart. And we're going we're gonna to give it a name. We're going to call it Sabbath, which literally means stop what you're doing. And he goes, we're going to give you this one day. Keep it as holy as you can. Set it apart. Do it as a gift. And then, fast forward about 1,500 years later, maybe even further, 
a guy shows up on earth and he starts walking around and one of the claims he makes, his name happens to be Jesus, and one of the claims he makes is that he is rest. Isn't that crazy? He says, I, he actually claims in himself that he is rest. That he is that fulfillment of that Sabbath gift, that holy set-apart day. He, he actually calls himself the Lord of the Sabbath. The title he gives himself. Listen to this verse in Colossians 2.17. Paul is talking about, hey, be flexible with people, what they eat, what days they count as holy. What, you know, and, and he says, um, in reference to, to the Sabbath, he says, these are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ Jesus. He's the substance of that rest. Rest is not a day. Uh, rest is a person in which all substance of rest belongs. And he, ha- he alone has it on offer. And he claims that it is a rest for your soul. We're not talking uh, about sleep. We're not even necessarily talking about laying down to rest. You can get that from a pill. We are talking about this thing that he claims is Soul rest, soul rest. We have a word for it. Uh, The word is called peace. The word is peace or shalom. Listen to this about the word peace. This is cool. It gets listed or referenced or said or declared in every single New Testament book of the Bible except for 1 John. And in my Bible, 1 John is only three pages long. Let me give you just a definition. Peace, this soul rest that is on offer from your king, is this. It is totality of completeness, fulfillment, wholeness, harmony, security, and well-being. Personality free from internal and external strife. And he has it on offer. In Judges 6.24, if you remember the story, it's Gideon. And Gideon's got a bunch of anxiety about some things that are going on. And God helps him through it. And so he makes an altar. Gideon does. And this is the first time we see God, his person, being declared as peace. And Gideon calls him Yahweh Shalom, Lord of Peace. Lord of peace. Gideon was an anxious fella. Um, I believe the invitation is from Jesus is an invitation to himself. I believe he is where we find rest. He is the source of this soul rest, maybe called peace. And I want to just read some verses. And I want us to really hone in on where the source of such peace is coming from. So we throw the first one up. John 16, 33, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Can I get an amen? Let's keep going. John 14, 27, peace I leave with you. It's my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give it to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let them be afraid. 
Let's keep going. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Keep going. Now, may the Lord of peace himself give you peace. Is that that a good line or what? Now, may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times in every way. Lord be with you all. Keep going. And let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful. Keep going. For to set the mind on flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. Um, Those of you who have put your trust in Jesus actually have the spirit of the living God, the prince of peace that indwells your soul. And one of the gifts of it is peace. Remember the fruits of the spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. Let's keep going. Psalms 29.11 The Lord gives strength to his people. The Lord blesses his people with soul rest. That's good for now. Tim Keller, great thinker, says this about, about peace, about this soul rest. The peace of God is not the absence of fear. It is, in fact, though, his presence. Isn't that a great thought? The peace of God is not necessarily the absence of fear, but it is, in fact, his presence. If he is the source, Jesus, then abiding, following, coming under, coming to, walking with, walking in step, would be the formula to receive it. If if Jesus Christ is rest, is peace, accepting that invitation of come to me, spend time with me, get away with me, enjoy my presence would be where that source of peace would be found. The good news is he gave you a spirit himself within you at all times. His presence is always near. Um, We talk to, I don't talk to them, but when, when we hear from doctors or medical scientists that study things like anxiety, that study things like restlessness, um, they say that the two leading causes of that inability to rest, to just like let your soul stop moving, the two leading causes are fear and contentment, lack of contentment. Fear and lack of contentment. I love this verse, Psalm 23, 1 through 3. The Lord is my shepherd. You guys know it. I shall not want. That's that contentment piece. He makes me lie down in green pastures and he leads me beside still waters. 
Isn't that cool? Like if I'm following this shepherd, where is he going to take me? He's going to take me into a place of rest. And what does he finally do? He restores my soul. You know what's on offer is soul restoration. Soul peace. Soul rest is what he is offering us. Give me some of that. He's offering us himself, him being the source, but he is also offering us an example. From his word, he offers us a picture into what the spirit that is within you longs to express itself like. You understand? Like, those of you that are Christians, you have the Spirit of God within you. you. You literally have the Spirit of Christ that indwells you. And Jesus, while he spent time on earth, gave us a picture of what that Spirit longs to express itself into. Does that make sense what I'm saying there? And one of those pictures is one of rest. They say that the speed of love travels at three miles an hour. Because that's the speed in which Jesus walked and he never went faster. He was never in a hurry. He was never in a rush. He, we have no account of him saying, gosh, I really would like to, but I'm just way too busy. But also, we see many, 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 many pictures of him throughout all the gospel of accounts of resting. And the type of rest he chose to do was not necessarily the rest we choose to do often. The rest that is often common for us is what's called entertaining ourselves, right? So we we come home from a day or we are tired or we exhausted and the first thing we reach for is this button or this button, right? We, We entertain ourselves. We uh, that, that is the, the route. And I, I've yet to find an account in scripture. I could have missed it, but I don't ever see him saying, Hey, disciples, let's go qu- catch a quick one at the Colosseum. He just doesn't. His picture for us to see and to ponder and to lean into is this picture of him removing himself into a place of solitude so that he could come under the love of the father. To spend this time communicating, soaking in the love of the Father. The basic core essence of rest is found in the sovereignty of God. You guys know what that word sovereignty means? It means he's in control. Rest is a reminder that we are not what we do. It is a reminder of who we are loved by. Rest is a reminder that we are not what we do. It's a pause from that. But it is a reminder of who we are loved by. Jesus just wanted to be with the Father for the sake of being with Him. That is where He found His rest. The goal is His presence. Time with Him. So what, what happened, if you're, if you're anything like me, opportunities of such rest that, is, that we are hinting at um, don't come often. For most of us, whether we admit it or not, 
we have traded in these moments of abiding with, uh, with him for moments of ambition apart from him. Nope. <laughs> I, I, I'll say it like this. He, for many of us, we have traded in moments of abiding with Christ for the pursuit or the ambition of something apart from Christ. We move currently at a pace in which uh, maybe we were never intended to move. Like at a rate, even a rate of speed. Our, our communication moves at a speed. Just communication, just a text message moves faster than it ever has, right? Uh, less than 200 years ago, 195 years ago was when the locomotive was created, the steam engine. Prior to that, nothing moved faster than a horse. 195 years ago. And now things move faster than the speed of light. I can communicate to someone in Japan faster than light can get there. I guess it's insane when you think about it. 5G's coming. <laughs> there is uh, reports, there's uh, documentation from this famous Senate subcommittee and future planners and data analysis that took place in 1967. This big time meeting, they were trying to figure out what's the future going to look like. And uh, it was predicted that uh, about 20 years later in 1985, they predicted that the average American, because of the efficiencies that were, were coming onto the scene, the technologies, whatever else, the average American would work 22 hours a week and 27 weeks a year. In 1990, the average American worked 36 hours a week, 49.5 weeks a year. 2020, ready for it? The average American works 47 hours a week, and 51 weeks a year. That's just 11 hours per week more than the generation before us. That's uh, about 25,000 hours of work that, that the common person now is working that the generation before did not work in their working lifetime, which is about 45 years. 25,000 hours. Um, when you include days off and vacation days, that's close to 3,000 more days that you will work than the generation before you did. That's crazy. And don't get me started on sleep. The average American sleeps two hours less than the generation before. That's 57,000 hours less sleep than those who brought you up. And the generation before them had an additional 1.5 hours of sleep more than the generation before us. Um, they didn't have clocks. They just woke up to the sun, so it's a little not fair, but... 
we were shocked when uh, a supermarket slash gas station showed up that claimed it was going to be open seven days a week until 11 o'clock at night. They named it after that, 7-Eleven. I wonder why we're tired. Um, I, I think what we did is we... we we, we took all this technology, we took all these efficiencies, we took all these things that uh, were potentially were going to be a great gift, still are a great gift, but we traded in our time for the ability to, uh, whether it be make money or efficiency or grind it out, uh, instead of using technology to bless us with time off, we used it to create more stress in our lives. Uh, one of one of the the most valuable commodities that you have is your time, and yet, uh, for most of us, it is the thing that we are quickest to give away. There are many things that I do not give away or even consider give, giving away, like I do with my time, like like not even close. The the Lynch family, little Lynch family update. Um, we, we realized a little bit into this journey of being a pastor that rest was going to be, need to be a significant piece to our rhythm of our week. And we were feeling, uh, fairly, uh, fairly certain that if we didn't, that the, the, the sacred word of burnout would be, uh, right around the corner. And so we realized there was going to be great value in spending time with the Lord, in slowing down in being together um, as a family. And so what we did is we we looked at our calendar, we looked at our schedule, and we kind of like reverse engineered it. We took the thing that was most valuable to us, the thing that we were saying, hey, this this seems to be the thing that we, we have to really lean into, and we baked that into the calendar first. So we chose Monday nights. Where we'd have nothing on the schedule. Saturday day, we're taking a day of rest. And we baked into our schedule rest. And so when you guys ask me, hey, can you hang out on Saturday? I say, no, I'm busy. The truth is we're not busy. We're, we're resting. But we had to bake that into our schedule first and then see where everything else fits. The reason was simply to create space for that opportunity to say yes to the invitation that Jesus has in front of us of this uh, promise of rest in his name. We started taking a day of rest and um, we tried to explain it to our kiddos. I tried to explain what Sabbath was and how we're not really under the Sabbath law anymore. That was fulfilled in Jesus, but we still see value in slowing down and resting and turning off our phones and putting them in a drawer and shutting TVs down and being together. And they were like, that sounds terrible. And I'm like, yeah, I know it kind of. And, and so then like one of the very first times we try this, um, Kaylee had been buying us some board games to play together uh, like like they did back back then. And uh, and so she pulls out a board game and we're playing it and we're just having a great time. We're laughing. It's a sweet morning. We're drinking our coffee. And one of my daughters says, hey, mom and dad, I thought we were going to do Sabbath today. When does Sabbath start? And we said, this is it. And she's like, oh, I like Sabbath. <laughs> and so sweet. 
Uh, one of the sweet things, actually, it gets me teary-eyed. When I took this job, prior to this job, I had been working a sales job, a, a commission-based sales job where the goal is to grind it out. And I worked nights and weekends. was primarily hours. I could work any time I wanted, but the best hours to work in this job where you were going to make the most amount of money was nights and weekends. Um, the moment I got hired here, uh, my kiddos asked me, does that mean dad gets to be at dinner with us? And that realization that even my kiddos crave that time of just slowing down and stopping for a moment. And um, so do I. I. I figured out pretty quickly. Have you ever done, uh, it's a cool practice to do, but you can do kind of like a time cost analysis of where you're giving your time away. Um, and and here, here's a, just a cool thing to do. Think about the most simple thing that is in your home. Something that just sits on the shelves that you purchased, maybe even just as a decoration. Right? And you think about it, that, that costed some amount of time. Right? You went to the store, you looked at several options of things that would be cute on your shelf, and you thought, this will be cutest. And so you snagged it, you went home, you spent time trying it in different locations till you found the right one. And then nine months later, it's no longer in style. So you remove it and you put it in a box in your shed because maybe you'll put it back up again. And then you don't. And then you have to create a yard sale because you have a whole ton of boxes <laughs> full of these things you no longer want. So you sit at a yard sale all day and most of it doesn't get pot because no one wants your crap. And so then... You take it to Goodwill, and on your way home, you're so dang tired that you buy a Starbucks, and you get home, and now the cost analysis of a picture frame is hours and hours. And it's silly to say it that way, but everything you own, everything you do, has some kind of time cost to it. You don't ever, we don't ever think of it that way, but... Um, I wonder if there is an invitation out there from the God of the universe, the one who is rest himself, and he's saying, look, bag it up for a little while, and, and what, what would it look like to reserve some of that time to be with me? What would it look like to decrease some of the noise, to decrease some of the chaos? What would it look like? Just the other day, I was so frustrated. Uh, I went to Target which Target right now is a zoo, but I went to Target the other day to buy some towels. And, and I get, I'm standing there, and there's aisles and aisles and aisles of towels. I'm like, come on, people, towels, really? And the first aisle, I'm sitting there, and I'm like, $19 for a towel. This is not my people here. So I go to the next aisle, and it's like $7.99, and then I got to my aisle where it's the $3.99 towel. And I'm standing there, and there's this lady, and she's with me. Like, we're doing the same thing. And I finally look at her, and I'm like, the towels are getting us, aren't they? Like, this is like a thing. Like, these towels have won. We're now nine minutes into looking and staring at towels. And then I get home, and my wife goes, why'd you buy that one? <laughs> true story. After all of that work, true story. I, who would know? Who would know? They look so nice sitting on the shelf. The white ones do. The point is this, is that um, would there be value, would there be value in stopping for a moment 
to just slow down and to reevaluate what what am I being invited into from God? What what am I giving away my time to? And and what are those things that I could release and say, Lord, I, I value, I want to bake in time with you as a high priority. You guys dragging with me? Okay. Jesus did something different, looked at rest differently often than we do. And I, and I want to explain this to you as best I know how. For, for me, rest oftentimes comes at the end of my rope. Right? So I'm working, I'm, I'm doing things, I'm mowing my yard, whatever, whatever it would be. And by the end of it all, I'm so stinking fatigued and burnt out and tired that what do I do? I rest. Right? What we see in Jesus time and time again is as we look at his lifestyle, his rhythm, his way of moving was that rest was the starting point and everything flowed out of that. I'll say it this way. Um, He was not living for rest. He was living from it. He rested so that then he could give of himself. He he moved out with a full tank so that he actually had something to offer. Filled up so that he could pour out. Do you see the difference there? Um, Even in the original creation account... He gives us this order. Uh, he, this is Genesis 1.5. This is like right at the beginning of the Bible. Opening verses. It says this. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. Listen to this next sentence. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. Do you see how he orders the day? Night comes first and then day. Um, it's how the early... Uh, Jewish people saw the calendar was you start your day with rest and then you move into the day of work. The, the Sabbath, when they would, when they would uh, observe the Sabbath day, this holy set apart day of rest, it's actually what started their week. It wasn't the culmination of the week. It's where they started from. They started from a place of rest and then moved into the week. That was the original design of it. Okay, um, call me a little bit crazy, which you probably already do when I'm not around. What, what if this crazy little thing called COVID-19, coronavirus, whatever you call it, um, what if it was an opportunity, uh, uh, maybe call it an invitation to slow down? Like, what if all these shutting of doors and discontinuing of events and schools closure and works closure and don't go show up to this large gathering because you're going to get ill closure? And what if, what if we could view this as a blessing and not a curse? And it doesn't minimize the reality that there are people who are really struggling for their lives in the midst of this disease. But what if it gave you permission in your day to actually slow down and to pause 
and to listen in to the voice of the one who is peace, who is rest. And what if you would let that invitation be the loudest voice? There is no sports center right now. I wonder if it uh, came at a good timing for us in this series. I wonder if it's the rest that maybe you've been craving but have not known how to give to yourself. Guess what's not canceled? A hike up a mountain where you and your kiddos could look out over the city and call on the name of the Lord and say, Lord Jesus, um, there's a lot of people stressing out. And you could teach your kids how to pray. You could walk them through a way of falling to the feet of Jesus and saying, we need you. That's not canceled yet. They haven't canceled that yet, and I don't think they can. You know what also isn't canceled is a bike ride, a nice long dinner with your family, a dinner with friends. What else is not canceled is you getting the ability and the time now to crack open the Word of God, which is life at its fullest. Like, like literally words from God himself to humanity that might actually be restorative to your soul. That's not canceled yet. What else isn't canceled is that at every single moment of every single day, you can call out to the king. You can spend time actually talking to him. Like orchestrating your day around conversations with him That hasn't been canceled yet. What if the one who is seated and resting on the throne is not afraid, is not worried at the slightest? What if he's actually resting? What if he knows no other response except to breathe out peace out of his being? What if he is peace? What if he is rest? And what if his invitation is this simple? Like this simple, come to me. Get away with me. Walk in step with me. Follow me. Learn my rhythms. Lean into that new spirit of peace that indwells you. Just stay with me. What if we took him up on the offer? What if we took him up on that invitation? Well, according to him, there would be restoration of your soul on the other side. There would be that deep soul rest. There would be that peace that goes beyond understanding. Will you, with me, in this current climate, will you declare this reality? Will you declare this climate as one of rest and not of fear? As one of peace and not anxiety? As one of abiding and not ambition? As one of patience and not of hurry? Do you know that um, one of those gifts of the Spirit of God within you is this gift called patience? Like he actually gave you something called patience. And you know why he gave it to you? For times like these. So that in the midst of the storm, you could say, I'm going to be okay. We're going to be okay. 
There is, there is a gift of peace. There is a gift of patience found only in the name of Jesus Christ and him alone. And he is simply saying, come, just be with me. Would you just slow down enough? Would you decrease the noise enough so that you could hear me saying, we're going to be okay. Fear not, my child, I have overcome the world. I am the beginning and I am the end and I am in charge and I am on the throne and there is not one thing in all of history that can thwart my plans. And we watch Jesus. We watch, we lean into how he lived. And you heard him all the time. He goes, look, I'm not worried. I came to do the will of the Father. I am here under the good grace of the Father who says, I got a plan for your existence. He's just saying, come to me. What a gift, what a time for such a gift. May we declare that truth, that reality, may that spread faster than anything else that is spreading. Is that there is a king out there that longs to be with you and he himself will offer you peace that will guard your heart. Let me pray. Lord, we we see Gideon And he was as anxious as can be. He didn't know what else to do. And he stood on the top of the mountain and you met him there. And his declaration to you in that moment, he said, you are the Lord of peace. You are Yahweh Shalom. May we, Lord, may we come under that soul rest that is offered in you. Would you teach us how to slow down? Would you teach us how to fix our gaze? Would you teach us how to walk in step with your rhythm that is fullness of life and is rest. We need you, Lord. And we love you. And we give you this day and we give you our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.